Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. I'm in Peoria, Arizona. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune, holding down the fort in San Diego. Jay? There's not much of a fort to hold down these days, Kevin. We we haven't been in the fort in two years, but I know you know I don't ever go in the office anyway, and all the time I'm thinking of the guys in the office, right? Oh, God, I yeah. tell the guys, I'm like, no, they're all at their houses working. Exactly, um, that's exactly. how it is. Uh, my life hasn't changed; everyone else's has. Uh, I live in my own world, Jay. Uh, my own world is. Yeah, um, I, never, I never knew that. <laughs> Luke, uh, Luke Voigt, no Luke Voigt. left fielder that's going to make anybody you know excited. Uh, what, what else do you want to talk about? What, where do we I don't start? Know. We, why don't we start with, I, I guess, Luke Voigt was the, right I mean, some of the pitching news was pretty big, but why don't we start with Luke Voigt and what we know about him and what we think is going to happen. And I would love it if he was left-handed, but he's not. What can we expect from Luke Voigt? I guess the biggest thing is, can Luke Voigt stay healthy and play a full season? There it is. There it is. Look, I'm convinced that this guy, if he's healthy, is a great addition, a great overused word and might be a little much here. A really good addition to this lineup. But that's, you know, if, if, gosh, that, that word should almost always be italicized or capitalized or bolded uh, <laughs> right. or all of them because it's, you know, it's a big word. And the guy has been one of the best power hitters. The guy can get on base but he doesn't qualify for anything. He he just has only had one full season. He's had the opportunity to have four of them. Actually, I'm sorry. He had two full seasons. We can't hold COVID season against him. As a matter of fact, right, he led the majors right. uh, with 22 home runs that year. But but health is the thing. He looks healthy. He, uh, you know, it's March. There you go. And the idea is if he if he is healthy and maybe being the DH all the, you know, most of the time will help in that regard uh, a little bit. But I mean, this seems like the kind of guy that would, would slot into the lineup right in the middle. I mean, obviously Tatis isn't going to be there uh, early on, although I I still don't think it's a bad idea to have Tatis at leadoff if you've got enough behind him. And if, if Trent Grisham is going to be shaky Trent Grisham as opposed to really good Trent Grisham, but that's another Issue, but it seems like Voigt would be the guy that would sort of slot in and and hit. I don't know fourth or fifth most of the time, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's certainly got to be what Manny Machado's thinking, right? Yeah. Uh, that depth in the lineup that they have been sorely uh, missing. I, I've been talking to a lot of guys, researching. I'm starting to write a story for Sunday on the inconsistency of the offense. You could take the rosy view of this offense and go, "Man, it's really good." That's difficult to do after last year, right? Right. Uh, so one of the differences last year, you talk about the top of the order, like, man, I like Tatis there. Sure. If you can get guys at the bottom of the order on, like yeah. one of the things they did in 2020 was constantly turn that lineup over. You know, they had the DH right. and it was like whoever was hitting first was coming up with guys on base because he wasn't starting innings. Um, there weren't two outs when he was coming up often. That was a huge thing. And, you know, obviously – That'd be great to have again. So, well, and it's a, it's a thing. You're going to have the DH this year, and so the yeah. idea would be then. It seems like it is more logical or possible or whatever word you want to have Tatis hit lead off when he comes back because of that very reason that you have a better chance of having people get on base. But you're right. If the eight nine hitters are you know going to be having five seventy five on or you know OPSs and on base percentages of two seventy, then maybe it's not worth it. But so where, speaking of top of the order or the order period, where do things stand on left field right now? I mean, if the season, the old 
saw if the season started today, well, the season's two, only two weeks away. If the season starts today, who's in left field? Yurikson Profar is in left field. Okay. Now, here's the deal on that. And, you know, duh, that's not great. That is not – that's a hole, a, a relative hole. Let's say that you buy into every, everybody else. You say Trent Grisham for whatever reasons, and I'll be writing about that soon. That was a down year. You, you buy into that. You say, well, Will Myers is what he is. We know we're going to get a good half of the season in chunks. Right. The hole is left field, and I would say absolutely. Every team except the Dodgers has holes in their lineup. This, there are six playoff spots in the National League. I, I don't think it's the end of the world for this team. And when you talk to anybody on this team, they, they they talk about the offense and how it can be. And then without even asking, every single one of them volunteers. And when Tatis comes back, actually they say when Tati comes back, because that's uh-huh. him. but I it's a good it's a good lineup. I can make that argument, Jay. What about you? Well, I can make the argument that it can be a good lineup. There you go. I can also make the argument that, that it could be not a good lineup. If Trent Grisham, we yeah. see Trent Grisham like we saw a lot of last year. If we see Will Myers being the bad Will Myers. If we see Hassan Kim being the Hassan Kim that we saw last year. If we see Eric Hosmer at first base being what we've seen from Eric Hosmer. If we don't see any offense out of the catching position. Now we're back to Cronin, you know, Machado and Cronenworth and hoping Luke Voigt you know, it, it, as another guy, but so it's more than one hole. If you look at it from the, not that I'm a glass half empty guy, you know that about me, but if you look at it from the glass half empty standpoint, I, I know I can't even say it with a straight face. Um, Cause I think I can hear my wife laughing. I say your wife is, is listening, right? <laughs> somewhere right. she's la- somewhere she's just laughing. But um, I, I do think that there are definitely holes in this oh, yeah. in this lineup i mean you're but sure it can be a good lineup it could also be a shaky lineup just like this pitching staff could make up for it you know there's a lot of guys on the staff i mean this could be a really good rotation or I don't get, you know you could have issues but i don't want to get to pitching yet Jay, but what else is in what else is there in terms of of left field i mean is that's even in camp is it is it mazara is he the only other option and and as one of our commenters asked here and, and actually a couple of them here what are the chances that anything gets done in terms of bringing somebody in for left field well i think if we're going to rate chances it's someone for depth uh it's someone getting right. you know let go somewhere else or a a trade you can make with one of the catchers or um, something like that where you can – because I don't see him moving a pitcher. People are interested in Chris Paddock and Ryan Weathers. But, you know, the Padres learned the lesson last year, not that they really needed to learn it. They just had it driven home that you cannot have too much depth for pitching. So I don't see one of them getting moved or even one of the bullpen pieces, and I do think they have more depth there. Um, so that's – the. the while they have been saying all along, hey, we might not get a left fielder, it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, roll my eyes, it now seems like – you know, Yurikson Profar is the idea for opening day. And Yurikson Profar has had some real good stretches, but that's just not, you know, we don't, we're not looking at a platoon. Uh, no, here. it seems like, it seems like Profar, this team is better if Profar is not an everyday starter. If he's a rotate around the field, I mean, one of the great things about him is he can play yes. in several positions. 
he's a rotate around the field start. Maybe he starts a couple times a week. He comes off the bench. I was going to, you know, we don't have the double switch stuff that we've had in the past. You don't have the, that's great a need, I guess, for pinch hitters, but you still have need for depth. You still have need for days off. You still have need when guys get nicked up and, and need a couple days and that sort of thing. So this team is better if Profar can be used in that role. It's, it's not that he could be, that anybody would think he's going to be a disaster in left field. It just makes this team, it hurts the team's depth if, he's a, if he has to be a starter every day. It's also, what is, who becomes that guy? Who is behind him? Who's the next guy that rotates and can play all those different positions? If, if Kim is in the starting lineup, if Cronenworth's in the starting lineup, if Profar's in the starting lineup, who the heck's on the bench? The the bench right now is a is is a is a thing because of Tatis's injury and Profar being in the the lineup. So a couple of days ago, I still would have said it was un- almost unfathomable they wouldn't make a move for a left fielder. I don't think it's unfathomable. I think it's more likely. Um, but could they make a move for a depth piece in the outfield. Yeah, I would even put that more at probable at, at this point. Um, and I want to address one of the questions I saw there, and that's would A.J. Preller trade Austin Nola and Chris Paddock for an outfielder? I don't think so. First off, they want to see – they loved Austin Nola. You remember the right. all those players they sent to the Mariners in the middle of 20? That was because of Austin Nola. They, you know, they really like this guy. He hasn't been healthy. I also don't know if another team trades for Austin Nola to be their everyday catcher when there's so many questions about his health. Well, that's Victor the thing. Who is the one who has if, the value? Right, and if you trade Paddock and Nola, who are, you know, how much are you really getting back for those two guys? Those are two guys with huge question marks over their heads. You've decided that, um, that uh, Caratini and Alfaro are your guys, or you've decided that – uh, Camposano is, is ready, which that's not going to happen. I mean, it's just a look, this is great. This is creative to try to get the outfielder and you've got some yeah. you have depth at catcher and you have depth at pitcher. That's, you know, right. I get that. You're dealing from those positions, but you are giving up depth that you believe you need now uh, is, this, is what I'm thinking. And, um, you mentioned Caratini. And I mean, this is kind of, it's in a sense, it's a silly question asking about one player, but if you trade Caratini, what happens to you, Darvish? Well, you has to put on the big boy pants and and, and pitch to someone else because what happens if Caratini gets hurt? So absolutely valid because of the importance of you, Darvish, to your team. Now, as much as you liked Victor Caratini as your backup, you got him in that trade because you got you, Darvish. That's, you know, right, so right. absolutely valid. But at some point you go, wait a minute, someone's going to uh, help us out at a place we need by – taking Caratini at a place that, look, Jorge Alfaro is very talented, has a really good arm, um, can obviously hit weak pitching as he's done in spring training. Um, and I don't mean that as a slam. I just say that let's not get yeah. carried away. Um, and so there you go. Uh, you have depth there. Not at all surprised. Maybe I'd even be more surprised if one of these guys isn't traded uh, by the start of the season, even though for the first, what, three and a half weeks, you get to have two extra players. I uh, Those are pitchers. So – I want to talk about one thing that we'll talk about a lot more as the season gets here. And if they haven't made a move to um, make Eurixson Profar what he should be, which is a super utility guy where he has really immense value. And I would pay him what he's making if he's a guy that's going to start 80 games for you at various positions to spell people. Um, The problem here is, and I forget the exact number, but it's 20 or 30 guys in the major leagues who make $20 million. 
or more. The mm-hmm. Padres have three of them, and only one of them has lived up to that number. Right, right. That those are the poster children of some questionable moves. Ha Sung Kim for seven million a year. You could throw Gurickson Profar in there. Um, you know, what have you got from some of the pitchers that you invested in? The Padres are not going to catch the Dodgers unless they make four moves, okay, in terms of um, offense, okay? So they have to be thinking that right now. The problem is they've created a situation where they can't make four moves. Is one move that puts them over the competitive balance tax worth it right now? Or is going into the season and seeing what you can do without Tatis, knowing Tatis or believing Tatis is coming back, and then you've got the trade deadline. And if you have to go over the CBT then because you're right there, then then that's when you do it. I, I What I'm saying is I see the wisdom, given the mistakes have, that have been made in this roster construction or the apparent mistakes, all right? Because um, if Eric Hosmer, you know, hits 280 again this year and the Padres win the World Series, that was not a mistake. Um, <laughs> stop it. Uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. That, that's, so, that's a good, that's a very. The issue I mean, is where they're at now. We can grumble right. and talk about those contracts, but the reality right. is that's where the Padres are at right now. with a $200 million payroll and a couple, one hole and, and some other potential holes. And they're not capable of going out and getting the team to match the Dodgers. They are playing for a wild card spot. Anything can happen with the Dodgers, but I'm saying on paper going in, you cannot realistically expect that you're going to outpace the Dodgers over the course of this season. And that was my next question is, are the Dodgers really your competition here for the regular season? And, you know, we could look, we can point to the Giants last year and we all said, and I, and I led the parade on this, the Dodgers were going to win the West. There was no question about it. They were better than the Padres. Well, I was right about that by a lot of games, but what I wasn't right about was the Dodgers winning the West, but it also in the end didn't matter because it still comes down, you know, you know, it's sort of, and I will always maintain the playoffs are, are a crapshoot. I mean, you have to, but in this case, you're, you're really not building your team to beat the Dodgers over 162 games. Yeah. You're beating you're you're building your team to beat enough of the other teams to get into the playoffs and then you take your shot against the Dodgers because the odds yes. of beating the Dodgers over 162 I, I know, like I said I know the Giants did it last year to me that was that was pretty much of a everything comes together it still comes down to beating enough teams to get into the playoffs and as constituted I think we both think the Padres are good enough to do that but mm-hmm. it does seem a little bit I don't want to say, I don't know what the word is. Unusual is not the word that they do have a $210 million payroll. And yet they have a lot of question marks for a team with a $210 million But what payroll. about the Mets? And, Who's their DH? What I'm saying is I've done right. this research and everyone, but, and as you saw in my schedule story, I referred to the Dodgers as the 75 Reds, the 27 Yankees, the 84 Tigers. They, they on paper are historically good and, and you're not going to catch them. And, you know, but that's the beauty. And gosh, that was one of the arguments against an expanded postseason. The Dodgers could uh, could get beat in the postseason. And by the way, this Padres, let's move to pitching because this is a segue yeah. here. This is what they call a segue in the biz. Uh, the Padres potentially have the um, the pitching to beat the Dodgers, to, to subdue that lineup. I would argue that as constructed, Dustin May not back quite yet. Clayton Kershaw, who knows what he is. I'd put the Padres rotation up against the Dodgers rotation right now. 
Yeah, I mean, if the Padres rotation, right? If 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 right. you know, if if Darvish is healthy and back to what be, he is, back to being you, Darvish. Right. If Clevenger is healthy, can stay healthy and be what Mike Clevenger was. If Blake Snell is more like the Blake Snell you wrote about the other day and pitching those six or seven games at the end of the season and and even and not being the Blake Snell that he was on the road. Blake Snell was really good all year, save one awful start at Petco that I happened to be there for. But he was really good at home. He was terrible on the road. Just couldn't get uh, the innings in, even right. at home. Uh, and so, and don't forget Joe Musgrove, one of the best right. seasons in Padres history by a starter. He has to do that again. Well, and and, and it's interesting because he's the one guy that I probably don't have a question mark about, but maybe should right. because it's oh. like, does he can he repeat that? But he, right. That's he looks, all. I think you can almost say that about anybody. But yeah, if those four guys, and then you throw in, you know, whoever it is, whether it's. Um, Martinez or Mackenzie Gore or whoever, or Paddock or Weathers. I mean, it seems like they have depth in the rotation. But as we saw last year, you could never have enough depth. And I, I guess the two guys I should ask you about are Gore and Clevenger because they both pitched yesterday, I believe. And I think you saw them both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where are they at this point and And where are both of them going to start the season? It seems like Clevenger starts the season as the number, I don't know, three starter probably because maybe Snell's not quite ready. And Gore starts in El Paso, but could it be different? Right. right. A lot of smiles around the complex yesterday, both uh, at, uh, you know, 1215 for uh, Mike Clevenger and then uh, the 105 or whatever it was for uh, Mackenzie Gore. It was a lot of anticipation for uh, yesterday afternoon. And both those guys came through. Now, Mike Clevenger, it was about this stuff. It was about obviously him feeling good and because he was facing minor leaguers and they had no, no idea what to do with them. And, and it was pretty impressive. Mackenzie Gore faced a certainly not the the Angels lineup, but there were a few major leaguers in there. And the important thing was strikes, 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 and everything was moving and the velocity and the kid just looks confident. And as he explained, it's just it's preparation and being back to who he is. Oh, that's why you look confident, right? Like. You know, um, that it, it, this is the Mackenzie Gore they expected. Still, he's a starter. He needs uh, the experience. It won't be too long till he's up here. I'm writing about for Saturday. The difference is, like, they've already made it further because of the lockout um, with some of their depth. They already had, like, they were three Tommy Johns in the spring by, by this uh, time last year. And right, that depth was right. just boom, boom. And then a week into the season, Adrian Morahone. And, and they have more what appears to be quality depth to start this season. Paddock, Weathers, Gore. I would go Reese Kinnear, who's pitching really well. Um, you know, that would be your fourth option to, to start. But still, that's... Well, and and Morhone, Morhone has to be back at some point, too. Morhone by the middle of the year. Michelle Baez, yeah. though, that's probably the bullpen, middle of the year. There appears to be more um, more depth for the inevitable, you know, guys not throwing innings. Here's the one thing about the schedule. The Padres got shafted last year, and I did do. I did go through other teams' schedules. 20 games in a row, 16 games in a row, 17 games in a row. They have that one time this year. I think it's 17. Now, they do start out with 14 in a row. But look at that schedule. There are a lot of off days after, like, four games or seven games or ten games. And, and so that that might help a little bit because – Last year, combined with injuries, Blake Snell not going very long, um, 
that that beat down the bullpen and all that built on each other. So just little things. I'm an optimist. You're the pessimist, Jay. And and I'm just looking for things. No, I'm looking right now. I mean, there, there's one stretch in the middle of June. They play 18 games 18. in 17 days. That's it. June 10 through 26. There's a makeup day-night doubleheader in there. Uh, with but Colorado. you remember when it was 33 and 34 and like then they had the a day off and went 20 more? Like it was yeah. incredible. No, last it year. was. Yeah. Last year was uh, they really got shafted at the beginning of the season, especially where uh, they had that. And you're, you're right. I mean, this year they they um, they have those 14 in a row to start and then they have a day off a weekend against the Dodgers. Another day off six games, another day off, you know, like eight games. There's two or three road trips with with days off in the middle. Uh, There's there's the second and third road trips. One of them has the six games a day off, two more. The other one has three games a day off, six more. So, yeah, there's there's some road trips, uh, not so much later in the year, but but earlier on where they where they have uh, where they have that. So, yeah, I mean, that that should help. But again, it's one of those things you can't predict. But just having the depth helps at this point it doesn't seem like there's any reason to have gore up at the beginning of the year it seems to me like it'd be better to keep him on a regular rotation pitching in el paso every five or six days whatever don't mess with this kid anymore (laughs) right just get him used to just get him used to a routine you know they've got four or four five six seven starters that they could go with even without him we talked about paddock and weathers and nick martinez all for that all for that fifth spot so, I mean, it's great to see Mackenzie Gore pitching well. I mean, I there, there can't be anybody out there that doesn't want to see him be, become the guy that the Padres have thought they've had yeah. all along because uh, it's, it's sure been a rocky ride here the last couple of years. But if he could get into a routine and pitch, you know, pitch on a regular schedule, that's that's got to be beneficial. Um, let's uh, let's go to another prospect, um, C.J. Abrams, another guy, similar situation. What's he playing like? Has he played the equivalent of a, of a full season in the, in the majors yet, even in the minors? Yeah. Like, has he played 162 games? I haven't even looked because, I, like, the Padres aren't really at this point thinking about him on the major league roster, like, seriously. Now, could he be? Sure. He could continue to perform. But also, again, I think he has one hit off a major leaguer, and I think it was an 88-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, <laughs> now, hey, he also took uh, Zach Plesak deep, and it was – ruled foul. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, this kid's amazing. And I would say that I'm even more impressed when I watch him practice, do drills with the major leaguers. He is just an amazing athlete and I can't wait to see him. It's just that he needs experience. Now, Kevin, he he's played... because of that roster crunch, we are uh, sort of talked about or the opposite of a roster crunch, like who's going to be the utility guy. Sure. Right. I guess he could be up for the first few weeks. I, I don't know. Does, but, does, are we still talking about starting guys clock and after the new CBA or how does that? Padres uh, have never been into that. And, okay. and and I don't think that's an issue though. You know, gosh, <laughs> is it smart business to bring a guy up to get 12 uh, plate appearances uh, and, and, right. and start, start his clock? In three weeks. But yeah. Is it smart to bring know. CJ up to get 12 plate appearances when heck you could have him in July and, you know, because you traded Eric Hosmer or something and you moved Cronenworth over and and now C.J. Yeah. Abrams is ready to play every day. You want C.J. Abrams playing every day. I have run this by, I mean, there's certain things you do long enough that you go, all right, I know the situation here. <clears throat> um, but I ran this by people, Padres personnel people, and 
they're of the thinking that, yeah, we're going to keep putting him in, hoping he gets major at-bats against major league pitchers in spring, mm-hmm. and, and more, more major league pitchers will start pitching here, and we'll see what he does. As of right now, that's what we're waiting for. Like, Well, you asked if he's played 162 games. He hasn't even played half that. He's, he's played 76 games in the minors, um, 30, like 40, 42 were at double A. He has 348 plate appearances as a professional. So, I mean, it would be really unheard of for someone like that. It to, will. I, to, I'm going to predict to this. When he comes up, it will be a rarity. He will have not played much more than that. He is that special. Right. So no, I mean that would be obviously would be fantastic to see that happen, but it's hard to believe that at that point with like I said with 348 plate appearances as a pro that you're going to end up that you're going to end up doing that. I'm trying to look up as as we talk. I'm trying to look up Tatis here. Just remember this while you look ended up with even Tatis who came up early Mm -hmm. had 276 games in the minors, 1,200 plate appearances. That's that's one of the things that was pointed out to me. Yeah. That was pointed out to me by someone early in camp. And, and just remember this. Go back and read it. I'm not making this up. And this isn't hindsight. The Padres did not anticipate Fernando Tatis Jr. having the 2019 season he did. If you remember, the talk at the time was, let's bring him up. Let's let him learn through his mistakes. They right. sucked. Okay? <laughs> so when Eric Cosmer and Ian Kinsler and Manny Machado went and saw A.J. Preller and tried to, you know, and convinced him, you know, as if they weren't already going to do it. But, you know, yeah, you know, who I don't even remember was it, Carlo, who was going to be the shortstop if it wasn't uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. that year? So this is a different roster and a different player. It, and a different was, it a swahe, was it a Swahe? Was he still? Right. He, he was it was someone like that. Yeah. And <laughs> there you go. So this is this is a different situation, but fortunately for the Padres and Padres fans, it's very similar. But he can have a better spring statistically than Fernando yeah. did that year and not make this team because this is a far better team. Well, and I, and I also think, I mean, don't get carried away with the spring. I mean, that you, you're talking about such such a small sample. I mean, we you know we're, we're learning. You know, guys that had good sixty game COVID seasons. That didn't mean so much, uh, or so, bad ones. So didn't true. Mean. It's just, it's such a long season. I, this guy needs this guy needs to have experience. One more thing, we're almost out of time. I told you we were going to talk about this. You had a note today. Bob Melvin likes the ghost runner, the Manfred Man, whatever you want to call it, because his teams were fourteen and four. Uh, I think it was when they play with it. I can't stand that rule. That's not baseball. Play the extra innings the you're way it's supposed to be played. That's no, all. Not. You're play wrong. Extra, end this discussion. Play extra innings. What's wrong with extra innings? So I will say this. I'm thinking. Don't back tell me about couple. the pitchers getting hurt. These guys carry 18 pitchers on every roster. You've got. They have a team. limit now. They can only carry 13 after the so, first month. I'm thinking back to some 18 inning games I've covered. They're really fun in the moment. They exhaust teams. They exhaust pitchers. And it's 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 not They've exhausted like, pitchers for a hundred years. People worked around it. And and America was different then, Jay. I am <laughs> telling you. And there, by the way, before we end this, because we don't need to talk about it anymore, because you're wrong. But but um, 
it's not a ghost runner. If it were, then all you would need was two sacrifice flies because we would automatically assume that the guy moved over and, you know, or, a, or you'd need a grounder to the right side. The guy went to third. If it was a ghost runner, it's an actual person. It, it's, it's a runner that starts on second base. Okay, it's a, and there's no guarantee that he scores. I mean, we saw the Dodgers and Padres well, played the game last year. If you're a ghost runner, it would score scored. all the time. Right, right? That nobody nobody scored. I still think it's a bad rule, and that and I'm sorry that you're wrong on this because you're usually right, but that's the way it goes. And you know, next week we'll find something else to uh, to talk about. Maybe there'll well, be I another can't wait dumb, till the season another, starts. Another dumb umpires. rule that gets. I know that. Yeah, that's right. Another dumb rule that gets put into play. Believe me, I saw enough officiating at Viejas last weekend that could have lasted us three podcasts. I but saw your we tweets. We won't do that. So anyway, Hi, there's, the 30, there, there's the dreaded half hour tone as Jim Healy fans would uh, <laughs> would appreciate. And we want to thank everyone. And uh, Kevin, try to stay cool this weekend down there. And we'll talk to everyone next week. Goodbye.